following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. I don't even know what number we're on, guys, but I know this is coming out on Wednesday, uh, the 24th. I know you guys posted uh, Monday's episode and did a great job of it uh, to follow the AFC and NFC Championship games, but I'm joined by the entire crew tonight. So I've got Dan Bauer in Cleveland. Dan, how are you this evening? Doing absolutely wonderfully, Josh. Thank you for asking. Nice. And uh, my friend here in Chicago, back in Chicago for the for the long haul, Anshu Khanna. Oh, yeah. I am doing great. How's it going over there, Josh? It's going well. It's going well. Besides uh, my Cavaliers who are reeling and that's kind of how we wanted to kick things off tonight. Um, a lot of talk about a meeting that took place in the Cavs locker room amongst the team. You know, a lot of ridicule coming out about Kevin Love. Uh, a lot of uh, the, the reporting out there saying that more than one player thought Kevin Love's exit from Saturday's game against the Thunder where the Cavs gave up 140 points and a big, big loss to the Thunder. Uh, a lot of people saying Kevin Love left that game and exited and, and really didn't need to because of an injury. Uh, so I wanted to start there. Um, first of all, the Cavs have lost uh, 11 out of their last 14 games, or 15 games, excuse me, and they're uh, really on one of the worst streaks that we've seen this Cavs team since they brought back LeBron. Uh, so we'll start with you on this one, Anshu. What do you make of this whole Kevin Love story, and how bad is the situation with Cleveland right now? Oh, I mean, I could probably ask you about how bad it is compared to what has happened since you since you has resigned LeBron, obviously. But you know, it's it's not great. Obviously, four and eleven in the last fifteen is not where you want to be. But I just, you know, I feel like a lot of this is kind of growing pains too as they try to incorporate Isaiah Thomas into a defense that was already struggling. You know, I, I mean, I think the Cavs have a ton of talent. I still think they're by far, to me, the favorites in the East, and it's not really particularly close in my opinion. I know Gordon Hayward's getting ready to come back. He's shooting threes. I'm guessing he'll be back by the end of the season. But I still don't think that the Celtics can hold a, a candle. And, you know, the Wizards have struggled. We saw the Bucks fire Jason Kidd, which I know we're going to talk about later. You know, I mean, there's really no threats to the Cavs and the reality is if they win the East as they should and they will uh, you know likely have maybe not home court advantage against the Celtics but against everybody else and plus there's 35 games left I just I I, don't, I think this is just a blip on the radar do you agree with that or do you think that this is more than what we've seen in the last few years where generally November or December January it's gotten kind of weird with the Cavs yeah I mean I, I don't disagree with you that it's it's not a great deal worse than it's been in years past, but I think that when you look at the situation with the Cavs, their average uh, age on that team is 31 years old. And uh, I heard an interesting point uh, that was pointed out tonight watching the game. I think it was Rip Hamilton that said it, is that this team it has a lot of players that are used to being the guy on their team. Derrick Rose was a former mm-hmm. MVP. Dwayne Wade has multiple championships. 
obviously LeBron. Kevin Love was the guy in Minnesota. So you have a lot of guys who are the guy trying to find their place on this Cavs team, and it, it is taking time. There are growing pains, but, but I, I just I, I mentioned this on a show last week with Dan. Um, I, I fear that the Cavs make moves out of desperation, and I, I know they're they're looking to try to get George Hill to bring him on. It looks like they they would need to give up mm-hmm. Shumpert and potentially Channing Fry to do that. I don't hate that move. George Hill, you know, he rejuvenates a little bit more youth. He's a good defender. He's kind of a good two-way point guard that, that could spell, uh, you know, some of the defensive deficiencies that you see out of Isaiah. I mean, tonight was just pathetic, him on the defensive end of the floor. And I mean, we had that with Kyrie. Uh, so I'm not overly concerned in the long run, but uh, I heard a take today, and I, we can microwave it, but we can just talk about it. And it's even Nate Smith, I don't know why I, I always just get fired up about his take, but he, he thinks the Cavs need, not, not should, but need to trade Kevin Love. And I just think it's it's crazy to even say that when Kevin Love is now the the, the second guy there with you know obviously LeBron having one of his best years and Love is having his best year since he's been a Cavalier. I mean he's averaging 19 and nine. Uh, his player efficiency rating is 23.4 this year, which is great. He's an All Star, which we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the reserves. I know we went over the, the voting last uh, time we talked about the, the All Star game, but I just I, I think they need time to gel, like you said, but. It is it is concerning when the the locker room is having this much tension and there's talks of Tyron Lue being fired, which we talked about. It, it it definitely is concerning. What do you think, Dan? You're in Cleveland. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit on Monday's show. I think it's it's just simply they're bored, and this is a team that's built to make playoff runs. You know, you mentioned it before. It's a team of superstars who are used to heading to conference championships, heading to NBA finals. I'm not worried. I think it's just you know, them being bored, obviously giving up nearly 150 points the other night uh, is, isn't is a great sign, but I also think it's reflective of the fact that they just are absolutely cruising to get to the playoffs, and I think that's when you'll see the real team show up. The only yeah. thing I would add to that that I, that I think is a little bit different and a little bit scary is the fact that, yeah, like they could be in cruise control, but then I think we'd be hearing more of like the yeah, we're fine. It's going to be all right, especially from LeBron. The fact that he's completely categorically denied any kind of mention of what happened with the Kevin Love stuff and, you know, all these emotional team meetings, you know, I think that that speaks volumes about how much of an issue this team's chemistry currently is. I, again, I don't doubt that they're going to be fine, but I do think that there's, there's something up right now that, you know, even LeBron, I think would admit in a candid moment that, you know, this isn't the same kind of locker room that they've had in years past. Yeah, and he, he's admitted that, but to his defense on the same line of thought, I mean, he, he has taken ownership and said, I need to step up and be more of a leader, and I can't crack like a lot of the people have been in the locker room, which I think is kind of a backhanded way of throwing shade. But we know LeBron's good oh, at yeah. that. I, I, just, I think it's going to take time for them to figure this out. Derek Rose is just getting back. Isaiah's two weeks in coming back from a long, long injury dating all the way back to the playoffs last year. I mean, you could tell he's not back to 100%. Rose is going to take time to get back to 100% before he goes back down to zero and gets hurt again. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's definitely going to be a, a story worth keeping your eye on, but I I think it's, a, it's overblown to an extent. Like I said, I just worry that they, they do something out of desperation like fire Tyron Lue or, you know, try to trade off, you know, that Brooklyn pick and maybe the other – assets to get 
you know, somebody like DeAndre Jordan. But we'll, we'll keep an eye on the Cavs. But you did mention Jason Kidd. We want to move to that. Uh, this was a bit of a surprising firing, uh, at least on my end. And I think on uh, their, their all-star Giannis and Metacumpo's end as well. Uh, I know you're a big Milwaukee Bucks guy when it comes to, you know, the second favorite team for you to keep an eye on besides your Bulls. Uh, what are your thoughts on this Jason Kidd firing? Is it is it as surprising to you as it is to me, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially in season. Remember all of the 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 whole issue and getting the owners getting demanding to get Jason Kidd in from Brooklyn in the first place, and what a cluster that was. I mean, that the fact that they've then unceremoniously fired him in the middle of the season is it's pretty damning. And like you said, Giannis allegedly pretty upset about it. Um, but I think he understands. Like, look, this is a Bucks team that's right on the cuffs. I mean, there are only so many Giannis that have ever been created, you know, and, and you have to take advantage of those windows. The Bucks know that. I think they see themselves as, you know, they're tied for the eighth seed right now, I believe, with the Sixers. They, you know, the time is now. They're going to see what they've got in their assistant coach that comes from the uh, the Spurs tree. And then if that doesn't work out, I know Monty Williams' name has been out there. David Fisdale, who, who did pretty well with the Grizzlies, is out there. Um, I think that, you know, they realize that this window is, is finite. And, you know, there's been talks about them with DeAndre Jordan, which I know you just mentioned with respect to the Cavs. One of those two teams I think is going to end up with him. And, uh, you know, the time is now to strike. Like, they realize that they're not winning it with Jason Kidd, the East, or even making it close. So might as well move on and, and see what they've got in the assistant and then, you know, go from there. Yeah, I put DeAndre Jordan's name associated with those two and the Wizards as well. I mean, I do see him on the move, uh, um, even though the Clippers are just on the outside looking in a half game after the playoffs itself. Basically, <clears throat> Lou Williams having a great season out there, especially the last couple weeks with the Clippers. So you, you just don't you don't know. But I, I think this Milwaukee team has a lot of youth. And to move on, I mean, they're three games back of being the number three seed right now. Think about that. So, so wow. they, literally three games back of the Cavs, who are in the number three seed right now. And then you have teams like the Heat, who I think is overachieving. The Pacers are doing a lot better than people thought. Victor Oladipo is having a great year. And then the Wizards are in there at the five, who I think are maybe underachieving. But, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think I kind of – go ahead. I think the issue with the Bucks is, you know, if you look at the plus-minus with and without Giannis on the floor, and I know that's a big deal. Obviously, Giannis is by far their best player. But they really do have a lot of good pieces. The fact – that they're so bad with him off the floor and the way that that defense has slipped over the last couple of years with Jason Kidd at the helm. I mean, they were number three, two years ago. Now they're like 19 or 26 or something. They really have, you know, just dropped precipitously. So I, I feel like, you know, they feel like the time is now. And, uh, you know, I, I think it makes sense. Even if they're kind of hovering and hanging around, the fact is that they traded for blood. So, you know, they're bringing Jabari back. They're going to be okay, but, it makes sense. Like, you know, if you see a team, you know, the, the coach's job is to make up for when their star player isn't on the court. And I think that's the definition of a good coach. The fact that they haven't been able to do that when Giannis has been out, especially in today's NBA where you can't play your stars every single night. Um, you know, I think it speaks volumes about kids capabilities with this roster and he's been around for a long enough and they just saw they'd seen enough. So I'm here for it. I think it makes sense. And if you're the bucks, you know, I think you're on the, bigger and better, better things, especially this offseason. Yeah, we'll see. So Joe Prenti takes over, at least in the short term, uh, for Jason Kidd, who is on to greener pastures. I'm sure he'll eventually get another coaching opportunity, whether it's in the NBA or elsewhere. But uh, 
tough to see him. He's a likable guy. I think his players obviously like him. He's what you would call a player's coach for sure. Um, but talking about stars, um, the NBA All-Star Reserves were announced this evening as well. We talked about the voting and how that shapes up, but uh, there were definitely some surprises out. But let's go through them real quick, guys. So on the east side, uh, going down the list, Kyle Lowry, obviously from Toronto, Bradley Peel, and John Wall, the backcourt from Washington. Victor Oladipo uh, out of Indiana. Kevin Love does make it for Cleveland, who we just got done talking about. Porzingis out of New York, and then Al Horford from Boston. Um, so out, out of the east, uh, the one big snub was Andre Drummond, who's leading the NBA in uh, rebounding this year with 15 points, and he has, uh, I think he's fourth in the NBA in double-doubles. Uh, does that surprise you that Drummond doesn't get in on you, and, and is there anybody that jumps out at you or that was a surprise that does get in? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know Drummond made a big stink on Twitter tonight about it. Um, you know, I, I mean – I think it's fair that he thinks he deserves it. The one guy I would say that maybe shouldn't is Horford, but you got to have someone representing them aside from Kyrie. I think, I mean, Horford had a really nice year too, and it's a testament to his career to put him in. But, you know, I, I think that Drummond has a strong case. Otherwise, you know, Bradley Beal's really good, and, you know, you have to have shooters. But, you know, I, I think you could argue Drummond deserves it more than Beal if you look at the map from a more macro perspective. The guy I want to focus on is Oladipo, though, who you've mentioned now a couple times. I, I mean, this guy, like, I don't think anybody had any idea. Even our buddy Sweeney would have said from Indiana would have said, you know, I, I don't think he would have said that he would be that good. And it's been a really amazing rise for Oladipo this season. So uh, kudos, kudos to him. But, yeah, like the East is going to get absolutely murdered by the last in this thing. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, the biggest surprise is Indiana – you know, obviously their roster's not – it's not super strong around him. I mean, they're, they're having a very, I think, overachieving year. Oladipo's averaging 24 a game. Like you said, I don't think we would have called this one, and they're in the sixth seed right now with a chance to move up even further. Um, so, yeah, they're a team to keep an eye on. They're, they've been talked about as a team, you know, willing to go out and make some moves as well uh, during, you know, closer to the trade deadline to get better and, and try to do something this year. So, yeah, definitely a story to keep an eye on there with Oladipo, but uh, congrats to him to get into the All-Star game. I'm sure he's a listener. Uh, so, um, you know, great to, <laughs> great to see you in the, in the All-Star game, Oladipo. So we'll go to the West. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on the West, Dan. So we've got Damian Lillard out of Portland, Clay Thompson out of the vaunted Golden State Warriors backcourt, uh, Jimmy Butler having a great year out of Minnesota, Russell Westbrook. Uh, it's crazy to see his name on there as a reserve being the former MVP from a year ago. LaMarcus Aldridge having a good year, keeping the Spurs in the hunt. Draymond Green out of Golden State as well. And then Carl Anthony Towns out of Minnesota. The big snubs on this side, Paul George, who is a legitimate candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Lou Williams, who's uh, having a great last month. And uh, Chris Paul doesn't get in as well. So anything here jump out at you, Dan? Well, obviously you already mentioned it, but the Paul George snub seems like the most, you know, logical biggest snub of the day you know we already talked about him of potentially being uh, a trade you know trade target for the Cavs or some other teams so you know if it's a guy that multiple teams are coveting here the second half of the season pretty interesting that he doesn't make the all-star roster do you think Lou Williams did enough on you uh, probably not quite enough I mean he's you know hit, I give him a ton of credit too for the way that he's helped 
make that terrible Clippers team at times actually float above water. But yeah, like I, I and I know you love him, and I actually I really enjoy watching him too. But it's just I don't think he did quite enough. The names that you just threw out there are just absurd. I mean, it's it's an uphill battle, and you know you're talking about Chris Paul not making it, and Paul George not making it. I mean, they're, they're the cards are stacked against him to start, but, you know, he's, he's a good enough player for sure, and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they go, because, like, when you think about DeAndre Jordan potentially getting traded, I think that they're in the unique spot where they might not want, like, super future assets, because if you look at their team, they're built to win kind of, like, right now. I mean, they've got Blake Griffin, obviously, and then uh, Tate Dosich has been really good, and you've got Lou Williams, and, you know, they're kind of, like, ready to go, and so I know DeAndre is going to be a free agent here in the, the next year or two. Um, but, you know, I, I think that when they look, when you look at a trade partner, maybe the Brooklyn pick isn't as enticing to them as say, you know, like package around Tristan Thompson and one of the younger veterans. Yeah. I, I think that's what it would take to be quite honest. Just, just when you look at the salaries and then uh, obviously what they would need in return for somebody like DeAndre Jordan, he's, He's up there. I think he's second or third in the league in rebounding. He's averaging 14.9 a game. Uh, Lou Williams just over wow. 23 points per game mark, but he had a huge December and another uh, big couple weeks here in January. So, yeah, I've talked about it in the past. I love him as a scorer, uh, all-around player. But this, this, this is not uh, – I mean, this is not the year when you look at the Western Conference up and down. It, but it is the one year, I think, that you'll see Lou Williams name in a consideration for it. So, happy yeah. to see him up there. But, yeah, I agree with you. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this NBA season is going to start getting hot, uh, as, as, uh, we get through the all-star break and, and we see the trade deadline pass. So we'll, uh, we'll be talking a lot more about that, but Dan, I wanted to go to something closer and near and dearer to your heart. Uh, it looks like there's some movement as far as the coaching staff is concerned and Cleveland on the NFL side. Uh, so bring us up to speed there. Well, alleluia, our prayers have been answered in Cleveland, and Hugh Jackson appears to have hired an offensive coordinator. I got reported today that uh, Mary Kay had reported that the deal is essentially done. hasn't been officially reported by the team yet, but Todd Haley will be the Browns' new off- er, offensive coordinator. will be taking over play-calling duties. That was also confirmed by some league sources. So Hugh Jackson just gets to be head coach and no longer offensive coordinator. I, for one, have a little bit of mixed feelings with you know Todd Haley coming in, but I'm just ecstatic that we actually have an offensive coordinator and not letting Hugh Jackson try to run this offense atrociously for the third straight year. So very happy about that. Uh, the kind of interesting part with the Todd Haley hire, and this is a rumor that's kind of starting to swirl with some of the guys that have been brought in to interview, is that is Brown's ownership, and I kind of want your guys' neutral opinion on this, is Brown's ownership interviewing and you know kind of pushing veteran offensive coordinators in here that could potentially take over head coaching duties if they can Hugh Jackson halfway through the 2018 season? Ugh. <laughs> I hate it. I mean, personally, I mean, I, I, I go ahead. I'll let you talk on to you. I, I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So definitely brings credibility to the staff. And I'm guessing this was a requirement from management to say, Hey, Q, you need another guy in there because candidly, like you've done a freaking terrible job with some decent talent over the last few years. So especially last year. So, 
you know, I, I mean, it makes sense that that would be the idea that if they can him, but you know, this guy would potentially step in, but you know, they also have Greg Williams. So I think he's a natural fit to be a head coach. If, if he were to be canned early in the season, um, Todd Haley, boy, I, I, you know, his offenses in Pittsburgh have been good. And even in Kansas city, they were solid Arizona. They were good, but you know, He's a, he's a, you know, he's notoriously kind of insane. And it'll be interesting to see how those three coaches kind of gel together, because I think those are three major alpha personalities in Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, and Todd Haley. And then you couple that with a guy like Joe Thomas, and now the entire, basically the entire Packers scouting department, when you look at Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith and obviously John Dorsey there, there are, there are a lot of big, and of course, Jimmy Haslam, there are a lot of big personalities hovering through that Cleveland organization right now. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that John Dorsey would have hired Todd Haley with the idea that he would be their future head coach. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that all works together. I kind of feel like it might blow up, but we'll see what happens. A lot of it hangs on, you know, who their next quarterback is going to be and, and how good that player is. Yeah, I'll just say this. Um, what the Browns are doing is, is somewhat impressive. Uh, you know, obviously building the coaching staff around uh, Hugh Jackson, and I think it's necessary. Todd Haley, as much as I dislike him, and uh, clearly people in Pittsburgh, uh, I think he's got in a bar fight and had to stand, sit up in the booth uh, during their most recent game. <laughs> but it's good to see the Browns making some big name and high profile hires because they definitely are bringing in the talent. They've got the draft pick and it's going to take good coaching to get the most out of this talent that they're bringing in. Um, and so it's, it's going to be a good situation to keep an eye on. I think there's going to be a changing of the guard in the AFC North here in the next couple of years. I think Roethlisberger has only got a couple of years left in the tank. The Bengals are going to continue to bungle and uh, the Browns may have an opportunity to, to make a move here in the AFC North in the next few years. So the coaching changes that they have made are impressive to see, in my opinion. So um, kind of keeping it on that theme, though, uh, we wanted to go and talk a little bit about the Senior Bowl. And Anshu, I know you're our resident NFL draft expert. So I just wanted to hear if you had anything that you're keeping an eye on here during the Senior Bowl week. Uh, that could potentially change some people's minds come draft time. Yeah, so the Broncos and Texans are the two teams that are coaching these players uh, this week, which I think looking at the staff is always important. A lot of times you see these teams take a quarterback from the players that are assigned to them, and they're allowed to request them, which is actually what the Broncos did. They requested both Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen to be on their team, where the Texans are obviously set a quarterback for the uh, near and distant future and Deshaun Watson. So they had no interest really in either of those guys, it seems like. So, you know, the race is on Mayfield and Allen against each other. Couldn't be more different. I mean, Mayfield's, you know, basically going to measure out at six foot even. And Josh Allen is built like, uh, you know, he's straight out of central casting for a pro quarterback and, you know, right down to the hand size and all that. So, you know, I think it, this is going to be a very interesting process over this week. A lot of draft Twitters out there making their notes, you know, Matt Miller's out there. All the guys are out there sending in their updates. And the early returns of that Baker Mayfield looked a lot better out in Mobile this week that, or today at least than Josh Allen did. But Allen um, in the, in the weigh-ins looked really good. So, I, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I think it's even more interesting that the Broncos get to coach both these guys because I, I truly believe that 
given that they have a top five pick, you know, they can change the trajectory of this entire first round by moving around. And the Browns certainly can be the team that helps facilitate that. So um, I think that's, it's just going to be fascinating because uh, if you look at Vegas, I mean, they basically say there's almost no chance of Mayfield going number one. I mean, they say he's got less of a chance of going one than like six or seven other players. So um, they, what they know, which is generally more than what we know. And when I say generally, I mean, always, they basically think that he, there's no chance that he goes first. So that, that tells me that, you know, it's either Rosen, Darnold, or Allen. And, um, and you know, it's Allen versus Mayfield straight up this week. So that should help determine those the order of those four guys, I think. And, Dan, as a Cleveland Dan, guy, uh, obviously keeping a close eye on, on the Brownies and, uh, you know, their top, two top five picks, right, one and four. Uh, how important mm-hmm. is Senior Bowl week for, for a Browns fan and for somebody who keeps a close eye on a team that has that many picks, obviously, that early in the draft. It's definitely something that I'm paying very close attention to, and I know a lot of Browns fans are. What's important to keep in mind, though, and this happens every year around this time, is is just the you know panic mode of people and their mock drafts. It's going to be so much different by the time that April rolls around, by the time pro days happen. Uh, and just combine and, and all of those things that happen between now and April. I don't put a lot of stock into what anybody's mock says today. You know, I've mentioned before that I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan. I he, He's the quarterback I would take out of all these guys. I know that's, you know, not even remotely close to the consensus opinion. I like Josh Allen, but nowhere near the top of the draft. I mean, if he happens to be there second round and you want to take a flyer uh, after you land a veteran you know Alex Smith or Kirk Cousins fine um but you know to me I think if you're going to take a quarterback it's got to be Darnold or Mayfield just with Rosen being pretty obvious that he doesn't want to play here uh and a little bit of a rumor but apparently Darnold said he'd be cool and looks forward to the opportunity to try to turn the team around I know Josh Allen said that as well but uh, again I don't think Josh Allen is worthy of, of a top five pick and to be honest don't even think he's worthy of a first round pick yeah, so for for the three of us, uh, you know, the draft is definitely something all three of us with our, our, our teams and, and just with our interests are going to be keeping an eye on. So the senior bowl kind of when that fever starts to build. Uh, so definitely something to uh, to consider and to keep an eye on as, as uh, some of these players are looked over with a fine-tooth comb. And, and uh, you know, we'll see if, uh, if any big changes are made as far as where somebody is expected to land in the draft as a result of that. So wanted to finish the show off with a couple of oh by the ways i guess uh if you guys are cool i'm just gonna go ahead and get mine started lebron james uh wanted everybody to be the first to know that uh, (laughs) he wanted to congratulate himself on hitting 30,000 points prior to him hitting 30,000 points in such lebron james fashion now wanted to just separate the two things so the, the the instagram post is just textbook lebron heel and I, it makes me sick and this is why I've said so much in the past why LeBron drives me nuts and why he's a tryhard but you have to take a step back and appreciate the accomplishment. He's the youngest player ever to get to 30,000 points he did it right at the end of the first quarter of tonight's game against the Spurs that they lost again uh, but uh, it, it's impressive that LeBron's been able to get there as quickly as he has and stay as healthy as he has for his career so I just wanted to touch on that uh, so congrats to LeBron uh, I know you've already congratulated yourself and received plenty from other people, but uh, 
exciting stuff for for him and for his family. Uh, so <laughs> with that, what did you guys have, Dan? Anything for Oh By The Way this evening? Yeah, I'm actually going to have two Oh By The Ways. The first one, one sentence long, and the second one, Ooh. a little bit of breaking news. Uh, so the first Huge. one, yeah, big time the leftovers, a little breaking news. But first one, uh, Baseball America came out with their top 100 prospects on Monday. Uh, so keep an eye out for an article that I wrote that should be up on the underdogsports.com uh, sometime this week, hopefully. So check it out with my thoughts on that. Breaking news. Uh, I was actually at an event this evening uh, with Paul Dolan, one of the Indians owners, who mentioned that there is an announcement coming soon about Chief Wahoo and the future of the much maligned logo. Uh, a lot of contention, obviously. People in Cleveland don't want it gone. The rest of the world, understandably, thinks it's extremely offensive and wants it uh, <laughs> out of uh, off the team anything. And so apparently there's an announcement coming soon. So breaking news from the leftovers, uh, Chief Wahoo to be determined. Nice. I love breaking news, and I especially love when the breaking news is so good that we don't know what it is yet. So keep us posted <laughs> on that. So, my friend, <laughs> on it's you. Wrap us up with your old, by the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, I'm going to piggyback off what they had said with Baseball America coming out with the top 100. Um, the, so they come out, the top five guys are Ronald Acuna from the Braves, and then Shohei Otani, surprisingly goes Acuna over Otani. Flag Guerrero is number three. Our boy Josh, Eli Jimenez, number four. Victor Robles, number five, almost always talks as well. Um, but I want to focus in on number three, and that's Vlad Guerrero, because this, this is the first time that this that Baseball America, which has been around as long as I never paid attention to this sort of thing, um, they give you know every every quality that a baseball player has, each skill, they give them a, a grade from 20 to 80, 80 being the highest, um, and they give Vlad Guerrero an 80 grade, hit grade, which is insane. He's 19 years old, and an 80 hit grade essentially implies that he is going to be like a Hall of Fame caliber bat already. Like they would give. You know, they give Mike Trout an 80 hit grade So right now. So that just gives you an idea of what they think of him. He's 19. Somehow he's not a top two prospect, but whatever. That, it makes no sense. But, yeah, pretty cool and really interesting that this kid is going to be a, a super, superstar, and they already know it, and the son of, you know, one of my favorite players growing up. So pretty, pretty awesome and uh, interesting fact there for you. I was going to say his bloodline's not too bad either. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually more excited about this upcoming baseball season than any in, in uh, since, you know, since the White Sox were good, obviously. But uh, it's exciting. So, Dan, I, I, I love the access uh, from your event as well tonight. So, obviously, any breaking news that we can break on the show is great. Uh, if you guys don't have anything to add, though, let's wrap this thing up. Let our listeners get back to their Wednesdays and catch back up with them on Friday. So for Anshu Khanna, for Dan Bauer of the Underdog Sports Network, I'm Josh Dunn. We'll see you on Friday.